0: Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter. This is a podcast celebrating the irreplaceable and unique role that mothers play in their children's lives and giving a voice to those children who love and cherish their mothers no matter what. As government policy seems to be directed entirely towards funding mothers to put their children into outsourced childcare and go out to work, in this podcast I have a very wide-ranging discussion with Marie Peacock on the topic of how and why that we should try to establish a level playing field. How can we make it possible for families to make a genuine choice as to whether to have a parent caring for the children full time or to have both parents out at work? How can we make that a level playing field so that policy is not all directed towards getting mothers out of the house and into work? Marie Peacock is a founder knowledge. She has an early years professional qualification and is also a mother of four and has a very gentle way of putting the facts on the table, she points out that why is it that as science shows how important attachment and the early years are and the mother-child bond, as science finds more and more information about that, uh, government policy goes flies in the face of that and spends more and more time trying to get mothers away from the home and children away from their mothers. So in this discussion, we're going to be looking at all party parliamentary groups, APPG, and what roles they have in determining mother's fate and trying to come up with some solutions that will make it possible for families to choose to have a parent at home. There was just an article the other day in The Economist in America saying that actually cash transfers are a more effective and efficient way of helping poor families out of poverty rather than uh, subsidised childcare. So the cash following the child, which is something that Marie mentioned, and also which we used to have in universal child benefit was a a payment that was made to recognise the costs of bringing up a child and to make it possible to have a parent looking after a child because they would uh, be funded to do so. It would recognise the costs in childcare in the home as well as outside of the home. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. Okay so uh, we're talking to Marie today. Thank you for coming over Marie and um, I wanted to ask you first of all about your what you do in terms of jobs because you do a few things paid and unpaid mm-hmm. and have done quite a bit. Can you just remind me what you do? There's an opportunity for me to find out
1: again what it you, what is <laughs> yeah, do, so you're doing. Absolutely. Well I started off um, working in research qualitative and quantitative research when mm-hmm. I first graduated um, and then a few years later on moved to Social research, mm. and had the opportunity to work on a study of childcare, early education, mm. women's work-life balance issues um, on the ground, as it were. So, interviewed hundreds of mums and dads mm-hmm. um, on how they manage their daily lives. I then retrained to become an early educator, childcare practitioner whatever you want Mm. to call it, really. Did you you get a qualification? Yeah, so um, I've got a postgraduate, early years professional status um, qualification, so I'm an early years teacher, Mm -hmm. and I currently work as a supply teacher in various different um, settings, um, preschools, um, nurseries, daycare, again, lots of different vocabulary, but they're essentially places where children go so that they Mm. can learn and develop (laughs) well. (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, is that, that, that's why um, that's why they go there yeah so it's quite
1: interesting isn't it yeah. you know because the assumption being that they maybe don't learn quite as well if they're at home mm. i'm not so sure about that but anyway mm. subject for another discussion
0: yes mm. yes well it's it's too tempting i just have to jump in there though do you think people actually are um uh putting their children into childcare settings because they think they are going to learn and develop well rather than just because there's no other option?
1: Um, I think it's it's very complicated and it has changed a lot over the years Um, multifaceted some people are under a lot of financial pressure they're maybe under some social pressure and even maybe family pressure too Mm. you know not not everybody has um, supportive members of the family that feel that looking after children at home is something you need to do for very long Mm -hmm. so they may quite quickly feel pressure from somebody within the family to bring in an income and return to what they did or or certainly go out and find something as quickly as possible and that's totally understandable because in um, a situation where we have high rents high mortgages um, and it's relentless talk um, in the media and newspaper coverage of how important it is mm. you know to be fulfilling ourselves through paid work and <laughs> so forth and yes all these different mixed messages from all over the place mm. means that that you return to work quite often needs must but also people also feel that their children need to socialize mm. With children in a sort of registered setting because of course none of us ever ever meet any other children in the play park or we never sort of meet. Well we don't anymore because there aren't any left
0: no one
1: one outside the settings. No it's true you go to play parks and they are they tend to be pretty Mm. empty I I don't know about you but Mm. in the holidays I love seeing you know children Mm. running around in yeah. the shopping centres and in the play parks and, yes. you know, there's a vibrancy, isn't there, to having yes. sort of a, I don't know, all the generations in the holidays mm. sort of visibly enjoying themselves and so forth. And it's strangely empty, I think, these mm. days mm. during term mm. time. Um, yeah. So I know we have had quite a few mothers send photographs of empty playgrounds uh, and I said that, where are all the children yes where have all the children gone well they, yes. they tend to be in in child care settings yes because, because that's what the government really mm. wants them to do. So are you
0: saying that um people are generally putting their children into the childcare settings for financial reasons because yeah. they have to work and a bit of family exactly. pressure. Exactly. So and going social pressure.
1: back to your original question, exactly. Mm. So the financial pressure, but social mm. pressure, fine family pressure sometimes. Mm. And maybe also pressure from within, you know, from mm-hmm. yourself, you feel somehow that you need to fulfil that promise that maybe you made to yourself when you started mm. out in work that you'd sort mm. of you know Reach the higher echelons, as it were, and you know that you're sort of maybe letting yourself down. I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure, we're all very different. But also the pressure to socialize your child, and that yeah. sort of message that if you really want your <laughs> child to have the best start, yes. then you know there's these wonderful places that you can now go to mm-hmm. um, for longer hours than they've ever gone there before. Yes, yeah. um, I mean, obviously, this has always existed, but since the government's mm-hmm. implemented. 30 hours of Mm. funded childcare. Yes. So I'm going to be really careful here and call it funded. Yes. Because it's not free. Yes, Um,
0: yes. There's a lot of problems, aren't there, with the funding. It doesn't actually cover all the costs. No,
1: not at all. No, No, not at all. Subsidised. Subsidised. That's (laughs) actually my my preferred Mm. um, way of explaining it is subsidised. And I'm not sure why the government decided to give the impression that it was free mm. really because um, it hasn't done anybody any favours yes. it's led to a lot of settings closing and, and so forth and, yes. and it yeah. also sort of
0: Had they I closed, mean they closed because they haven't got enough money to run the 30 hours that the government's promising
1: exactly yeah, yeah. I, think, mm. I think
0: that happens and that people then think they're entitled to <laughs> yeah exactly because they've been told they're going to get it for yeah. free and then maybe they've got a job where they need 30 hours yeah. and then um, the I mean I think the interesting thing it. is
1: um, it was never free was it mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. free when we uh, as mothers or, or mm-hmm. fathers looked after our children
0: yes yeah. it was
1: never free but unfortunately mm-hmm. that investment mm-hmm. that we put into raising our children and giving up part of our income yes. or all of our income in the past I mean all mm-hmm. of our mothers and our grandmothers did it
0: yes, yes. And, and
1: that was a cost to the family when that second income was lost. Yes, Um, yes. So it was never free, but it was taken for granted. Mm. Um, And and you could even argue that when a mother does it, it's more costly than sending your child to, you know, it depends on how much you earn, of course, but if you're giving up quite a substantial salary, Mm. then
0: Mm.
1: it's even more costly. Yes, yes. But so social pressure, family Mm. pressure, financial pressure, and... Mm. um, Things have changed. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you, it's become you, the norm. It has become the norm. Yeah.
0: And, the, and then everything you were saying there, there was nothing, um, uh, nothing reflecting the value of mothering, what yeah. they're missing in terms of time with the mother, and nothing saying really that it's particularly better for children to be in this setting, that actually they should be outside the home. It's really driven by... Um, pressure, financial pressure and social pressure rather than putting children first and thinking this is what children really need. Is they have to be outside the home and they mustn't be with their mothers for any amount of time,
1: mm. which is the way it, it turns out. Mm. Um, I think it's a very controversial area because... Um, you know we, we we have lots of reports like firm foundations or bold mm. beginnings or a mm. better start you know these are um names given to reports about what the better start is for children mm. to enable them to thrive later on in in primary school so um, the term school readiness for example you know yes. that if you're not school ready that's going to make you fall behind you're not going to progress as quickly at primary school. Mm. They may be concerned about what you'll get for your SATs um, that sort of thing. It's all very target driven. <laughs> yes. um, what I find really interesting is that we we really understand child development a lot better than we ever did before. Mm. We understand how the brain develops and changes and we under, understand the importance of attachment, mm-hmm. um, the importance of relationships. Personal, mm-hmm. social, and emotional development, all these things. And yet, everything that we do sort mm-hmm. of flies in the face of all that. Um, I'm going to call it traditional knowledge and new knowledge because mm. I think there's traditional, you know, we've we've always understood about the importance of relationships. I mean, intuitively we know that, yes. But because of brain scanning um, techniques and so forth, we we also understand the science a lot better. But there's there's and evidence to back up what we know. Yeah, there <laughs> yes. is. Yeah, and yet, you know, just as we have yes. all this fantastic knowledge, we seem mm. to sort of be regressing and and um, yes. And sort of doing the opposite um, because we certainly know that children weren't really designed to be in large, busy, noisy environments mm. with lots of children of the same age, yes um, yeah. you know where there's no vertical groupings and mm. Mm. possibly not quite enough adults around really to to interact with them I mean this is a a point for discussion, but you know. Yes. It's about balance, but I'm sure that most people would agree that they're not, our little children are not designed to be doing that day in, day out Mm -hmm. for sort of, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day, Monday to Friday. In an ideal world, I really don't think people would think that.
0: Yes. Well, well, that sort of brings me on to... um, I mean, we could, we will, we will talk about this another yeah. time because it's just fundamental—the whole yeah. external childcare setting issue. Um, but I wanted to uh, think a lot about um, policy making mm. and where, how is it we've arrived at the situation where mothers are feeling they have to work for various reasons, or that they should be working. Uh, where we've arrived where it's normal for children not to be in a home setting Mm. even when they're one or Mm. two definitely by the time they're three it's abnormal for them to spend long hours uh, with their mother in particular Mm. um how and and it's really interesting to see behind the scenes how are these decisions being arrived at and you are um Honorary Vice President of Mothers at Home Matter, mm-hmm. and in that capacity, you go to quite a lot of meetings, don't you, on behalf mm. of the members of Mothers at Home Matter? Mm. Um, and also in your in your unique situation of being a having the professional childcare uh, qualification, so you you can see it from both sides because also you are a mother, you have four children mm-hmm. who are aged between. 16 and 25. So they're mm. therefore totally off your hands and don't don't need you at all
1: anymore. <laughs> I think that personally, I've always felt family was for life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, not just for Christmas. <laughs> not just for um, six months. Yes, yeah. yes. I, yeah. I think as children get older, they can, uh, maybe they can express more how mm. they need you. Mm. And mm. they can vocalise it and, and
1: show I it. I think s- certainly one thing it's not is predictable. Mm. So, you know, just when you think that um maybe somebody's independent and um doing very well, you know, exploring the world or whatever, you know, life has a habit of throwing things at you. Mm. So, and I think mm. we all just have to think about the people closest to us, you know, siblings or or French friends we may have. And, you know, listen to anybody's story and it usually Mm. takes an unexpected turn. So um, whether it's caring for an elderly relative Mm. who's suddenly had a stroke or, um, you know, it could be some mental health issues that you're coping with in the family. Um, I recently spoke to somebody who um, had had her first grandchild, actually. Mm. um, But unfortunately, her... Uh, daughter's husband had decided to leave Mm. um and therefore you know suddenly they were sort of facing a crisis situation supporting somebody into single parenthood which Mm. wasn't a situation that anybody anticipated um and so mother and baby had to go home and and live and live at home again um Mm. you know which they were very happy to support that Mm. but the, the grandmother is still very busy working herself and so this means a complete um change Mm. change of plans really for the next five ten years yes
0: Mm. yes so there's not it's not a case that they get to primary school and then that's the end no no longer needed that 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 you're needed throughout I think you always think of your mother while she's around as someone who's available Mm. to you you know in the best yeah. situations obviously there's some yeah. exceptions to that but it, certainly when the unexpected
1: yeah. happens yes mm. that's who
0: you'd look to isn't it, it is. your parents
1: and that's um, i think that's where you know the world of employment um just will never probably fit around family life mm. as well as we'd like to think it would mm. because you know family life is inherently inflexible and, and pre- unpredictable yes and uh, employers need you to be very, very uh, <laughs> reliable and yes. uh, normally very fixed in your hours, and you know, um, available at their beck and call. Cool. I and mean, I think I think a lot of people are lucky in that they have a mm. lot of agency. You know, the higher mm. you get, maybe you you can decide um, on your daily agenda a little bit better. Mm. But certainly most people, you know, they're they're either yeah. having to show up at nine o'clock and. Um, you know, maybe even having to show up at the weekends and work long hours, mm. and that just's never going to fit with family family unpredictability and yeah. well i think I fun.
0: think we 're living life at um maxed out really there 's mm. no what you need is margins around <laughs> life <laughs> think slack <laughs> you need slack that mm. you can take up if something goes wrong or yeah. even even on a daily basis uh you know my children are ten and thirteen and and some days you know we're just we're coexisting and we're talking over dinner, but some days usually at bedtime we need an extra hour or two to discuss the issues that have come up and you can 't predict those no. but if you're then having to rush out again or you 've just come in from work and you're you 've got a lot you need to do then there's there's no slacky life needs to have some availability and looking after it, if an elderly relative has a problem, you need to be able to go and yeah. see them and what's happened with um mothers working outside the home long hours Mm. is all the slack has gone out of family life there's no capacity left because everyone's fully fully employed um usually and often to pay for housing yes exactly (laughs) Uh, and they they've bought a house or they're renting on a level that means they have to be working these hours and Mm. there's no and that's where you have a crisis Mm. where you can't there's nothing you can ditch, and there's no alternatives, no. and something goes wrong, and you can go downhill very quickly.
1: You can in you can. life. Uh, I think that's that's interesting because um, in a way you sort of want to employ people to take up that slack. You know, we, we try, <laughs> yes. and I guess the government really is happy when people employ dog walkers, yes, <laughs> or, yes. You know, yes. Or, or, or you know cleaners, or gardeners, or you know. I mean, especially, you know, where I live at the moment, at a certain mm. time of day, the dog-walking vans all arrive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. um, it's it that, that works well in a way because all these extra people that are taking up the slack, if, if you like, and mm. stepping in to do all the things we no longer have time to do, they're all earning and paying tax and, mm. you know, ostensibly contributing to GDP and, you know, mm. the government, you know, we all think that's a good thing um but what I find really interesting about that is that these are people who are quite often quite badly paid for what they do Mm. you know Mm. so you have an army of cleaners you know there's no trade union really to stand up for cleaners Mm. um Well, dog walking is probably fairly well paid, actually, compared (laughs) to childcare, which is very badly paid. Um, But, you you know, we we seem to be very happy to talk about people progressing, doing well, um, you know, men and women having equal lifetime earnings and so forth. But it's a little bit unrealistic because a lot of jobs are just really important jobs but they're never going to attract a really good salary Mm. so we expect some magic sort of solution you know Mm. an army of people to suddenly appear that we can pay to to pick up all this this important peripheral work that allows everything else to keep ticking over
0: yes you know
1: um because without all of this you know, the economy wouldn't function, families wouldn't function. Mm. So I suppose implicit in all of it is the assumption that some people are happy to just pick up other people's slack and to be paid know very little for it and to be taken for granted and to not have any union representation and and where does that fit into our equality agenda I'm not sure. I guess guess some of the people picking that up are people who uh, some
0: might like the flexibility for some reason yeah but also you do get a lot of mothers prepared to work for way below their pay grade Mm. for flexibility because at the end of the day what they want to do is be with their children Mm. and and you're prepared to compromise on all sorts of fronts to make time and availability for for children so Mm. that's probably where where some of the um slack is being taken up um Mm. It's a tr- it's a tricky one, but um, mm. but going back to the meetings, yeah. So it's very interesting. There's a lot of meetings go on up in Westminster, aren't there?
1: There but, are, um, there are. We've touched yeah. upon some of these subjects today, I suppose. Um, which I, what what I think is quite interesting is that they all all the subjects we've touched upon, you know, care, um, care of children, care of the elderly, um, equality, um, that sort of thing. They all tend to be discussed. In separate meetings Mm, so it's never all discussed in the same meeting so you'll have a tax meeting for example and then the following week with another department you'll have a welfare meeting Mm. and then maybe in the next month it'll be a a meeting on on pensions possibly welfare and pensions quite often get discussed together Mm. but um, housing obviously quite Mm. separate so but in reality, they all interact with with one another.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and, you know, so there's always a piece of the jigsaw that's missing mm-hmm. in any meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking about child development, for example, um, it's quite often child development um, and how it can be supported through um, registered provision in an educational yes. setting. So that means there's very little room to talk about... Um, the kind of child development that will be facilitated by parents in a warm, mm. loving family life. If you interject and say, oh yes, but what about attachment um, in the home, you know, yeah. and primary caregiving and close attachment figures within the family circle? Mm. You'll probably be stopped and saying oh no, well, today we're talking about attachment in the registered setting. <sighs> yes. And then they will have invited lots of really eminent people from different countries to talk about the theory of secondary attachment figures, um, Mm. key worker systems in nurseries and so forth. And you're almost made to feel that uh, what you'd like to add usefully to the to the conversation isn't for that meeting you know yeah. um, yes. it, it should be for another meeting are there which, um, which other meetings is it for well,
0: uh, <laughs> when do they say how can we promote um, uh, mother child bonds at, uh, past age three I saw that there's an all party parliamentary group for maternity yeah. there's an all party parliamentary group for mm. fatherhood mm. and there's nothing for mothers no no, no you're no absolutely right I was once just... they get past maternity it's
1: irrelevant yes yeah. And yes. you move into the childcare care provision, yes. APPG. <laughs> yes. So yes. lots and lots of different APPGs. In fact, so many APPGs that they don't know of each other's existence. That's another problem, actually. <laughs> um, and they're well aware of that, you know. So quite often during meetings, they say... <gasps> isn't there an APPG on something similar? I'm sure I went to another mm. meeting and then normally somebody says, "Oh well, yes, let's get an a-, a list of, of related APPGs. So it's very, very fragmented. Mm. Um, there's a lot of overlap. Um, you end up sort of going to the same kind of meetings sometimes, but hosted by different secretariats. Um, and if it's um, an APPG on... Uh, women and Mm. motherhood um it's quite often about equalities yes um i don't think
0: there is one on motherhood it's
1: not necessarily going to be about care uh, yeah or how the time that you spend caring as a woman
0: Mm. you know
1: comes into this so it's all very black and white white, it's never really reflecting the sort of rainbow colors of our lives
0: Why why do you think it is that mothers are not the word mother you say often isn't mentioned at all in a meeting about children, uh, you know that no, it's not. Why why do you think they're just not
1: included? I think it's interesting. I mean, I think you and I are both linguists, and mm, we're quite interested yes. in you know the history of the word mother and. Um, I I think that some words have taken on a life of their own, in a way. Uh, We associate the word M-O-T-H-E-R, mother, so firmly with, you know, tradition, um, maybe it just you know maybe it just doesn't lend itself you you almost feel as if you need to add another word in front of it modern motherhood <laughs> yes, yes. but there's a problem there because modern motherhood uh, actually it's about working motherhood yes, yes. so again you know you you hit say. so you, i think we've discussed uh could it be something like um mo- no caring motherhood or, mm. or something like that you almost feel you need to qualify it to reassure your audience mm. that we are modern progressive women <laughs> who really want, you know, women to yeah. fulfil fulfill their ambitions, um, you know, achieve lifetime earnings um, and not be somehow held back by this word, mm, yeah. mother. Mm. Um, yes. But, you know, personally, I think there's no more progressive and important word than mother. Yes. You know, I think mother is... Uh, universal. I think, you know, children's mm-hmm. needs are universal, mothers are universal. It's um, There are mothers all over the world looking after children, um, yeah. armies of caregiving mothers, and it should be a really modern respected word so this, we, we sort of need to re- redefine it
0: So this is why i want to uh, just calling the podcast mothers matter is, is mm. putting a, a sort of line yeah. in the sand because no one ever thinks mothers do matter and, and i think maybe one of the reason these meetings don't include mothers is because mothers are not an option because they all the previous meetings have been designed to get in the, get the mothers out to work yes um and they are rebranded as women <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are not absolutely. mothers they're women and i looked up a few um of the meetings that um, you've been mentioning. And there's a there was a modern families event, mm-hmm. which was run by working families. So mm-hmm. that's what a modern family is. Yes. A, although modern is a very ancient term now. Nothing's really modern. Modern went out in the eighties. Um, and the the women one is women inequalities. So that's mm-hmm. Maria Miller. Yes. So it's it's all the agenda is being set yes. by people who are generally Uh, women who may be mothers but are primarily working outside the home in a paid capacity um, or it's just they're the ones who setting and they have a false goal of all women want to be equal to men and that somehow this is what we're aiming for in life rather than we want to be able to care for our children and flexibility well see if i could just
1: stop you there because i think women are fundamentally equal to men you know and yeah. whether you're uh, in that stage of your life when you're in paid work or whether you're in that stage of life when you're doing something else like studying mm. or caring for family whether it's a child or or possibly an elderly relative i mean i would argue that you are fundamentally equal you know that is the yeah. default position yes. for for yes. me but in um policy speak your equality cannot be proven Mm. until you are heading towards what will retrospectively be at the end of your life equal lifetime earnings with your average male um, employee or or it could be self-employment of course as well but um it's interesting because you're never going to be able to add up these figures until you're mm. at the end of your life looking <laughs> back thinking, you know, have I achieved parity yes. of earnings with, with another, um, with, with, yes. my fe- fe- with my female and male colleagues. Um, what is interesting is that as people, you know, women and men aside, none of us actually achieve lifetime earnings parity you Mm. know some people work very hard in incredibly important jobs the obvious examples are nurses and and Mm. so forth and big corporate financiers you know also work um, hard uh, and earn you know 100 times more than uh, somebody you know the bottom end could ever hope to to earn in in their jobs so this myth of Mm. you know lifetime Mm. equality of earnings is never going to be achieved between men and men or women and women. And, and so it, we're sort of...
0: It's a, it, You're absolutely right. And it's only that um, our value is measured in mm. what someone's prepared to pay us to do what we're doing. Mm. Uh, and people... That's, that's how people are rating um, what, how, how equal we are and what we're achieving. And actually, once you step out of that altogether and you become a mother or you do voluntary work mm-hmm. or you're measuring your value in terms of what you contribute yeah. rather than what you are paid, then equality becomes ridiculous. It's, it's quality of opportunity. But, you know, if someone's not going to pay me for what I'm doing, it doesn't mean it's not important. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, I mean, absolutely, we need equality of opportunity. We also need, um, you know, protection for those times when our uh, income mm-hmm. is not sufficient to meet our very basic needs and, and, and that mm-hmm. of our children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously... Um, a single mum or a single dad for that matter you know somebody who finds themselves alone mm. trying to cope um, with care responsibilities and trying to, to to keep some sort of income going you know, is, is a good example of mm. how we need a system that can take care of us in the ups and downs of life i suppose mm. is what mm. i'm trying to say here because life is as i said before unpredictable you know uh, It doesn't follow a set pattern and um, we are all working women, we are all working people, but at different stages of life. So, you know, to call somebody a non-working mother, for example, or a stay-at-home mother or, you know, to give some sort of impression that you're not equal or have the same value because you happen to be at a stage of your life when you're doing something else is ridiculous Mm -hmm. because if you look at the whole of your life trajectory, you've probably done both. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you define yourself just in a snapshot of time or or do you look much wider at the whole of the family life cycle and you know see what people contribute in different ways over a whole lifetime i think that's i I think the system needs to be a lot more realistic about what makes us human Mm. um you know that we live yeah care work study we know we do all these different things um that was what might make it difficult i
0: suppose if you're retiring mm -hmm. and you're used to being valued in terms of being paid for what you do and then suddenly you retire and you're not paid what you do but actually that could be your most um the time when you can contribute most to society Mm. Uh, I I think where you contribute most to the world is when you're looking after your family (laughs) (laughs) and bringing up the next generation but in terms of contribution to society you can contribute masses if you're not if you're prepared yes. not to be paid for it. Yeah, some of the most fulfilling jobs, yes. I think, but well, people do need money. That's they, the but thing. they do. I was going they to need say, need money, you know, they and, and
1: being able to look after family or to volunteer in the community mm. does mean that you need a certain level of protection, mm. Um, mm. you know, financially. And mm. if that doesn't come from earned income, then I would like to, I think, live in a system where, you know, there is adequate welfare support um, and genuinely affordable housing. Yes. Um some people might put an argument forward for, you know, universal basic income for example. I mean, these things are becoming quite popular debates now. Mm. They're sort of um hitting the mainstream, I think. Um, so it it's unfortunately, yes, it's it's great if we can contrib- contribute in different ways. But we need we need a system that gives people the choices and the freedom to, to to be able to do that, you know, to be able to be the very best of themselves mm. at whatever stage of life they're at. Um, well, the,
0: it seems to be that the only model um, that all these groups are aimed at is um, having two working parents mm. or if there's only one parent making sure they're working and they're... When I say working, being paid not to be looking after their children.
1: (laughs) I I do wonder what it is that drives it. And I have various theories. Mm. I mean, I think partly it's used to prop up the housing market Mm. because nobody really wants the housing market to collapse. So, you know, they need to find a way of making sure people are maximising their earned income. So that keeps the housing market ticking well, on over. The, just
0: on, quickly, on the housing market yeah. side, um, I mean, you'll know as well that since the 1970s, mm. men's income has not increased in relative terms. and so But the house house prices have increased exponentially, and that's entirely due to the second income. Exactly. So it's all
1: predicated now on it, having two incomes. It is, it is. Mm. Um, and that's something which actually in meetings in Westminster, I think, you know, if you were to sort of suggest that, you know, having the second earner out at work has been the cause of, you know, the Mm. inflationary pressures on housing and so forth, I think people would throw up their arms and despair. But, you know, it's not an attack on working women, actually. Mm. It's just a mathematical thing, isn't it? It's obvious that if you have you know, two incomes, then the mm. housing market sucked that up and um, you know, yes th- the prices went up accordingly. Um and then the other thing I think that leads um leads the shape of policy making is maybe fears about the housing market and about the economy you know collapsing, but it's also the way that um, equality is framed. You know, you've already discussed mm. that. But it's about who who actually defines how equality is measured, you know, I'm not actually sure, I know it's set up, it's set at UN level, the Lisbon convention and so forth, you know, mm. who, they set targets as to the number of women that should be active in paid work um, at any specific time. Mm. Um, in actual fact, there are just as many mothers in paid work as non-mothers. Mm. So, you know, we've sort of reached that level al- already and, and, and had done a long time ago.
0: Oh, what, so, you're saying so that if women people, who are not paid...
1: Pe- lo- lots of women aren't are not in work. Mothers. Yeah. Exactly. L- lots um, of women are not in work and that really would be so because just, they're sick, they're uh, studying, they're caring for, you know, they're, they're not necessarily mothers, but they're caring they're for somebody else and really. they're picking up that slack we were talking yes. about earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be impossible to have full employment because... Mm. Life just isn't like that, um, but in terms of the meetings in Westminster, so I, I, I think that what I see all the time is, you know, how can we increase productivity? I mean, pro- productivity is a, a, a big thing, but. I'm not quite sure how if you've got less men working and more women working, then I mean, surely it evens mm-hmm. out in the end. I'm not really convinced by yes, you know, yeah. gdp and productivity uh, arguments. Uh, I I'm, I'm also not very convinced about gdp arguments generally speaking because you know you come against the environmental arguments then don't you? Mm. You know we live in a very consumerist society where you know we're constantly making things that people don't actually need and mm. you know plastic waste and uh, you know things polluting our seas and so forth so you know what, what sort of uh planet are we actually living in where we're basing our whole economic model on mm-hmm. pumping gb gdp making more things more widgets that we possibly arguably don't need mm-hmm. um finding ourselves with very little time to care mm-hmm. um it it doesn't seem to be a model that's going to work for very much longer and it's probably collapsing all around, as I would suggest. With the care thing, Mm. you've got
0: there that... um Uh, there's a big issue with caring for older people and that is something that the government's concerned about and Mm. they seem amazed that they're like where have all the carers gone (laughs) yes because you got them all into work because it was generally traditionally the mothers working and i found it interesting when i went to the um conservative party conference and uh on behalf of mothers at home matter and i went to any meeting that had care in the title and I would always have to make the point that mothers are carers that that we're caring for children but if Mm. you're caring for a child it's not valued Mm. and if you're caring for an adult or for your parent it's very welcome but you're Mm. not going to really get paid you get carers allowance Mm. I don't know how that compares to Child, well child benefit of course has been frozen mm. for the last number of years and that's telling you how much they value people who are caring for children because mm. there is less and less help to care for children yourself the only value the only time you can get any support from the government is if you're paying someone else mm. to care for your children mm. um, so it's becoming financially impossible to mm. to care for children or extremely difficult Mm. Um and I, I, one thing that you're you're concerned about is the single income family, whether mm-hmm. that's a single parent mm. or where one parent is at home caring full time and one person's working and mm-hmm. and are they
1: ever represented in the policy groups? Um, Other than as a problem to be I mean, solved, there, there are obviously some really fantastic organisations standing up for single parents, like Gingerbread and, mm. and so forth. But um,
0: but were they were they standing up for them? though be in terms of let's get help them get into work,
1: or I, I think let's it, give
0: them an income to stay to stay at home and care for their children.
1: I, I would say across the board um, in all the meetings, it's assumed that the best way to enable families to maximize their income is mm-hmm. to provide state-subsidized childcare and to try and encourage people to work longer hours mm. but i think what's forgotten quite often is that people were already working you know mm. working families are working families whether there's two or or one person in in work mm. you're still a working taxpaying family and Women have historically usually worked, yes. you know, um, yes, yeah. uh, particularly after the post-war era and so forth, they they worked, but they worked very much for what people called pen money quite often mm. in those days, you know. Well, they so had a grandparent
0: that, at home, because a lot more yeah. people would work, would live in extended families. Yeah. So you'd have someone else who could look after the
1: children in a home setting. Exactly, which we, we no longer tend yeah. to have anymore. Right. But... um I I think the problem we have today is not moving people um, you know, from from the home into work and, and, and that being a new thing, because we've always had that. It's the sheer it's the sheer number of hours that we're now expecting mm. both parents to work. Mm. Um, you know, we're basically expecting both parents to work full time mm. in order to pay the rent, pay the mortgage, raise a family. And you know that is unsustainable, but it's because they're chasing an equal lifetimes earning model. Mm. They want women to you know crash through the glass ceiling. Um, but in reality, that only really um that's only a realistic proposition for you know mm. a certain proportion of women. The vast majority of us are doing ordinary jobs, yes. you know with little agency, probably on minimum wage. Uh, and i don 't see that changing anytime soon, in fact, mm. in the meetings we attend in london there 's very little talk about how can we improve the pay rates of you know, ordinary women women mm. ordinary mm. mothers in ordinary jobs um, and there 's certainly no acknowledgement of you know the, the the absolute hard work of of looking after several small children at the same mm. time, you know exhausting work um, but now Child Benefit mm. doesn't really reflect the importance of that work anymore. No. Um, there, are there, are there
0: any meetings saying, um, let's discuss how we can enable children to spend
1: more time in a home setting? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, do not think I've been invited to a meeting
0: yeah.
1: with that title. No. <laughs>
0: I don't, How do we fund think so? fund families properly, <laughs> so they can so children can be the, the, raised? You no,
1: know, you can see people sort of rolling their eyes and sort of uh, somehow people like to think that when you talk about looking after children, that you must be some sort of throwback to some mm. distant you know, past, that you must be a relic of some former. Yes. But we're not talking about doing that forever, you no, know, it's no. only a small period of time, mm. you know, as I say, you've probably worked, you, you probably go back to work later, mm. we all live much longer lives, don't we? Mm. So, mm. you know, between the ages of 20 and 70, for example, there are 50 years, you probably live mm. until you're 90, there's 70 mm. years of potential <laughs> working life. Do we really want to be out in paid work, working mm. for another employer? all that time,
0: yes. with
1: absolutely no time to look after our families or, you know, to, to to engage in the community work of some kind? Or, you know, is that is that what we want for our children? You know, mm-hmm. for them to be sort mm-hmm. of enslaved by some um, employment model um, mm-hmm. with no time for choices and freedom and care and all the things that I think make us human. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm.
0: Well, the government does put a lot of money into paying for external childcare, don't they? Whereas mm. it's actually it's much cheaper model to pay for to uh, maybe increase child benefit or introduce a um, transferable tax allowance for mm. single income families uh, would be a, a lot cheaper because a lot of mothers do actually want to spend time with their yeah. children. And the funny thing about paid work is. Up to when you have children, or even you listen to the radio, and Radio mm. One have brought the weekend into Friday because weekend's such an important time. And no one is saying, Oh, no, I'm not going to be going to work tomorrow. It's Saturday. I'm so disappointed. But they think, you know, people celebrate not being at work until you have a child who is the light of your life. Everyone says, Congratulations, you're pregnant. Your child's been born. Mm. Isn't this wonderful? And then somehow, when they're six months old, <laughs> you're thinking, I can't wait to leave this bundle of joy. Yeah. and go to paid work which i never liked before i had children but i mean okay that you might get to have a coffee sitting down but mm. a lot of people this is the stupid thing is that they're putting all this effort into getting women into work uh faffing around with the childcare system so it's somehow mm. addressing children's mm. need for a secondary attachment figure when actually a lot of mothers if they could afford it would want to look after their children. Mm. They're only working, and it sounds really obvious, they're only working to get paid. They're Mm. not working. A lot of I mean, some mothers Mm. are working as they want to, but a lot of mothers, particularly on the lowest incomes, are working Mm. to be paid. And if there's a financial model that enabled mothers to care for their children, because mothers matter so much in children's lives... It would just make so much more sense. Mm. But there's all this tweaking around the edges Mm. of uh, and all the money spent on these groups (laughs) of how to get women into work. And there's this this um, the UK Women's Budget Group, you know, Mm. it makes no mention of mothers at all. It's talking about the impact of cuts on lower paid workers and so on and so forth. It doesn't mention child benefit cuts, you know. or or Actually, the the Women's women's
1: Budget Group is quite supportive of, of child benefit being improved actually Um, but I think a lot more can be done but uh, again I think the people who tend to engage with a lot of these groups in Mm. in the policy making world are ironically you know mothers in some sort of paid employment Mm. so you know you're either an academic for example so you're you know part of some policy making uh, forum Mm um you're academic you're a writer you're a researcher you're a journalist mm. you know these are the people who tend to engage at policy level mm. um so th- there is a problem actually in hearing the voices of women when they are caregiving mm-hmm. because the very fact of caregiving renders you invisible
0: yeah uh, you
1: know although we live in the age of communication um and Skype and, you know, all sorts of uh, possibilities for for uh, making your voice heard, or, or at least you'd think that. Uh, but I I, I don't th- actually think they're very interested in hearing the voices of women mm. when they're caring, actually. Why do you think that is? I'm yeah. not sure why that is. Um, mm. Maybe, Maybe there is an issue around, you know, people just want to pe- to speak to people who are very much part of their their own tribe mm. you know maybe it makes people feel uncomfortable stepping out of that tribe I, i'm not sure well it
0: um, it is a um tricky situation because if you're caring for young children and they're at home full time which often they are if you're caring for them full time you don't have the energy to be reading up on reports and you and ironically you don't want to leave them with someone to go and attend a meeting
1: no and there's a loss uh, of confidence isn't there i I i'm not sure about you um and how you might have felt when you did your first radio interview or you know your first meeting but um You know, it can be quite daunting to step into a meeting where you've got good reason to believe that people have slightly different opinions and agendas to the one that you've got. Mm -hmm. You know, you've gone in there to maybe speak up on behalf of women who are busy looking after the next generation for a period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you've gone in (laughs) in there to talk about that, but you know that the um, main thrust of that meeting is going to be something probably slightly different so mm. you're immediately on the back foot and mm. you you know they're, they're usually very busy agendas time they're short of time you don't always get an opportunity to to make your voice heard but
0: well, it's also i think it's very difficult because um the the working the the women who are working who are also mothers that you never stop being a mother. And if you hear someone saying, I think mothers need more time to be with their children, mm. it's not a message that it's not very they want to hear. Because <laughs> no. there's always a, a deep-seated guilt in mother, yeah. even when you're at home full-time. You know, yeah. you still think, gosh, i it seems to take so long to cook. And so they're <laughs> washing out and they're watching TV. And I think it's just inbred that you can't sort of sit around all day gazing lovingly at your children. And there's always something else to be doing. Um So I think there's a lot of defensiveness and you can't have Mm. a neutral discussion with another parent about anything that matters. (laughs) No, you
1: can't. But I think we should have neutral policies, though. Mm, You know, there there should be room in um, in policies to cater for different stages, you know, so that you're yeah, that you're you know, you're able to access the same sort of level of support if you're caring for your child as if somebody else is employed to Mm -hmm. care for your child. So, you know, we used to say that the Mm. money should follow the child and Mm. certainly to follow the child's caregiver. Mm. So any money that's put into registered provision, you Mm. know, should be matched by supporting whoever might be doing that work in a sort of domestic home family capacity. Um, That surely is just um not asking for more or less it's yeah. just asking for a level a level playing field level play. you know the same and because because to not have that means you're immediately at a disadvantage mm. um
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of um uh in um Inbred, no. internal bias against a f- um, family model with a parent at home full time. So taxation is stacked against single incomes. So Absolutely, they'll pay a lot more. I was looking at yes. the figures earlier, and if you're on thirty thousand pounds, um if two of you are earning thirty thousand pounds, um so fifteen thousand each, versus one person earning thirty thousand. If it's one person earning thirty thousand, they're paying over £3,000 extra in tax. So they're paying just the fact that one of you's earning, you're paying £280 more each month in tax um, and you don't get any money from the government for the childcare allowance part of it. Mm. I'm never quite sure what the funding is. But if you're both earning, you're paying £3,000 less in tax, so you're keeping a lot more money and you're being funded by the government to put your child into childcare. But a lot of people, because the more that the... um, the threshold, the income tax threshold goes up. So it's about 11,800 yes, now, I think. Yeah. The, the more mothers who are working but who are not contributing any tax at that point, I know that in later life it might mean they're more likely to mm. work, but the, 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 the government is prepared to throw billions, billions at families to get that mother out of that home environment mm. and into a workplace for some sort of false economic argument. Mm. And it's not what mothers say that they want to happen. They Mm. they say that they want to be able to work because they don't think there's an alternative. I mean, if the government said, I will give you the amount you would have got in funded Mm. childcare for you to stay at home, then that would be interesting. (laughs) I mean, mean, Catherine
1: Catherine Hakim did some very good research on this, Mm. didn't she? So, you know, uh, I mean, I think it's true that some... You know, a lot of mothers would obviously prefer to spend longer looking after their children. But I mean, there are always mothers who are very keen to to continue with their mm-hmm. paid work, and that is absolutely fine. But they fine. have a choice. They have a, they choice, have a choice to do that. Yes, then that, that,
0: that, they're able to do it. But you can't choose not to do to work. it the
1: other way around. Exactly, you <laughs> yeah, can't. And then you work. have people who prefer the you know very part time model um Mm. so you you know you do a bit of both but we have a problem there because quite frankly the jobs just aren't there Mm. you know Mm. there aren't that many jobs you can do between Mm. half past nine and you know two o'clock in the afternoon and and, and, a term time only and of course it is um seen as an excuse to pay you quite a low Mm. hourly rate um it's seen as an excuse to probably not put you forward for promotion Mm. um so your career progression is likely to be much slower, if, mm. if at all. So it's not just that you're earning less money in those sorts of part-time jobs, mm. which, you know, if you're lucky to find one, but you're also likely to be stuck there mm. and, and not progress to the next level. So you, you can understand that, you know, people don't want to take that risk. They mm. they want to invest in, in their careers um, so that they have a better chance of getting a better income later, possibly. Mm. You know that's perfectly understandable but we do need to look at all these things and to have an honest debate about it because yeah. at the moment um as you say there's no choice yes um, yeah. at all um i mean i did a lot of research interviewing um interviewing mothers in their homes for a longitudinal study mm. and i would say that and i think research backs this up you know that the most popular model is is part-time work mm. um when the children, certainly when the children have gone to school. Yes, Um, yes. And that can be self-employment, of course, for a lot of people. That works very, very well. But the way that universal credit um, interacts with self-employment is quite quite Mm. tricky. So, Mm. um, you know, they're certainly not making anything easier. They're making it more difficult I would say because mm. um, a lot of people have to, to work part time well because lot, uh, say for example child minders who've typically mm. taken on child minding so that they can keep their own children mm. with them at home and and also you know gain, gain skills and qualifications in early education and so forth um, they may not actually be reaching the minimum income threshold for self employment oh. uh, which means that they can actually lose out on welfare support oh, so it's, it's making it uh-huh. quite difficult for a lot of people who used to tick on, you know, tick uh-huh. along comfortably, keeping the world of work going, mm-hmm. but at a very low level while they were looking after their children. Um that's been made that route mm-hmm. um, to keeping your skills up to date whilst also taking care of your family, that route has been made a lot more difficult mm. because welfare or income support is. You know will be denied is likely to be denied um through universal oh. credit so, so you, you're so what, more likely to be chivied into a much more conventional employment mm. sort of route where you because the thing with universal credit is also that if your earnings are not regular month after month after month mm. you know if you earn more money one month than the uh, next yeah. then your universal credit gets you um, know obviously gets taken away the following month unfortunately oh, so okay. you have to have regular and that doesn't really do they take suit. away the same amount every month then? It, 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 they it fluctuates it according to your um, right. monthly income. Right. So if you're earning more in one month, then you'll have less uh, universal credit the following month. It doesn't actually oh, even see. out You um, know uh, your earnings over the 12-month period. Right. Um, so all these things have made it, if anything, more difficult for mothers mm. to actually or fathers to to make that decision to Mm. combine a bit of part-time work Mm. with primarily caring for their children. And you see policy after policy sort of chiving people into longer hours of paid employment, Mm. preferably for the system, regular paid employment, preferably making use of the 30-hour funding um, Mm. offer for childcare, uh, which, However, is is create, you know, creating a lot of difficulties for for nurseries. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to be able to say that you know things have not improved, but sadly it's a question of things getting a lot worse yes. i think that's the worrying yes. thing but going back to
0: what you're saying about the trouble with um income fluctuating yeah. that i saw the meeting from the resolution foundation about riding the roller coaster how volatile earnings affect um your uh, the way you your living time your mm. your income and actually rather than saying how can we support someone who is on volatile volatile earnings and as you say, make it a level playing field for everyone. Um, They... Say well, let's you know it's groupthink. Let's get all these people into as much work as possible, and don't worry about the children. We'll what what we really need, the policy we need, is more money for childcare. That's the solution to everything. That's the one the one thing that all political parties agree on. You know, the way to win an election is to say we will put more money into mm. childcare. Mm. Um, it is a very difficult message because I I always feel that I have. Uh, while I've been at home, I've chosen to be at mm. home and I've been lucky to be able to do that. If someone told me I had to be at home because as a woman I belong in the home, I would, that would be a very different discussion. Mm. I, I think, well, I've chosen this and this is fine, but I could choose to work. I don't need any help to work. What I need help to do, or people need help to do, is to be at home. Mm. They've been helped to work for years now, mm. but um, there's no help for you to care
1: for your own children. No, even if that's what your children would prefer. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, they they talk quite a bit about um, wanting more flexible childcare to enable people to work. I mean, it is quite difficult sometimes for, for people to find the kind of childcare that they need, you know, to cover shift work and so forth. And nurses obviously working at the weekends mm. or, you know, but... Sometimes I think we're sort of chasing the impossible. I'm not quite sure what the sort of magic solution mm. is that they seem to think exists out there somewhere. Yes. You know, obviously one magic solution is extended family members stepping in, you know, grandparents, mm. obviously. For the people who have that, that's absolutely amazing. Yes. But you're unlikely to find um, armies of childcare practitioners willing to work, <laughs> you know, shift work, yeah. you know, um, over, over a night time. Um, in fact, at one point, I did offer that myself as a child care pr- practitioner. Um, I offered weekend um, oh, yeah. child care and I offered evening child care. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Not a single person came up, oh, really? <laughs> came forward yeah. to take take yeah. me up on that offer, you know. So um, it's, uh, it's interesting, but we're fed all of these myths that people are not working enough because there isn't flexible enough childcare or it's not affordable enough or it's not. But in in actual fact, these are myths. Mm -hmm. Um, When I interviewed mothers and fathers on how satisfied they were with um, childcare in their area, Mm -hmm. they were overwhelmingly quite happy with the quality Mm -hmm. of childcare. And even before the 30 hours came in, even the affordability of childcare, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's get one. Let's get one thing straight. If you want double the number of hours of childcare that mm. than you used to have before, mm. and if you've got two or three children now and you used to have one, yeah. you know, your childcare is going to be two or three times more expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot understand why. Um, you know you just have to do the maths you know yeah, yeah. if you lo- if you're looking for childcare from 9 until 2 for for one child aged mm. 2 say And then a few years on, you're looking for childcare from eight until six. But this time you've got three children because you've Mm. had twins. (laughs) You know, don't go saying that you're surprised that childcare has doubled in cost.
0: Yes. Because
1: actually you're using much more of the service. Yes. And.
0: Well, childcare should be expensive because you're outsourcing the most expensive thing in your life, which is your children. Yes. And uh, you, you should have to pay a lot for it because you're trying to replace a mother which of course is irreplaceable yes
1: and and yeah. if it was your adult daughter or son who went into early education as a profession, mm-hmm. having done a degree in it mm. for several years, and they've got a lovely, great, big amount of debt sitting there, you know, yeah. waiting to be paid back eventually, yes. um, you would hope, as their mother, you mm. would hope that they would earn a decent hourly rate yes. for the effort they've put into getting a degree in that field.
0: Yes, yeah. You know?
1: So um, the same people who call for cheap childcare also call for decent pay for women. Mm, You know, well, you know mm. what? It's mainly dominated by women. So if you want decent pay for women to close the lifetime earnings gap, then we have to pay women in care, Mm. social care, child care, elder care. Mm. We have to pay them a lot more than we're paying them. So, so (laughs) you know, this is a very complicated (laughs) jigsaw, but we, we very, very, very rarely hear the voices of of people who are actually caregiving on the ground you know whether they whether they're busy in family care or whether they're busy doing care for other people mm. in a, in a paid capacity we we very very rarely hear mm. these voices and um you know, people talk about equality, but they seem remarkably disinterested in inequality at the bottom end. Mm, um, mm. And somebody said to me recently, "Never mind about the glass ceiling, what yes. about the wooden floor?" Oh uh, yes, and yeah. I think that's very true. You know, yes. um, what, that you so can't a, get through it. A lot of into people aren't really okay. focusing on, you know, the struggles experienced by a lot of mm. women at the bottom end of the income scale mm. who typically do work in in care related environments um or, or as i say you know family caregivers who've seen their child benefit cut um hasn't kept up with inflation cost of living um you know mm-hmm. welfare support cuts income support cuts and, and and you know house and rental costs you know continuing to go up mm. you know there's very remarkably little interest in all of that mm-hmm. and um and this is what i see seen in, in policy meetings really the the policy meetings are overwhelmingly focused on um, how to build quality in the child care environment, how to fund more child care, how to uh, assist more women in particular to work longer hours than they were already working, mm-hmm. um, and very little about how to um, make sure that we've got time for um family time for balance time to take care of our own health Mm. you know and and how to represent women and men when when they're engaged in this most important of work which Mm -hmm. is human care work so Um, so
0: what what would you say as we come to a close what would you if you were in a policy meeting mm -hmm. and someone was actually listening to you and had the ability to put into action your recommendations what what would you recommend as a as a way forward to support
1: Families. Well, I, yeah. I think one thing we haven't touched upon at all is, you know, the mental health crisis in this country at the moment. I'm um, going to touch on that in the future. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> We compared, yeah. we do have obviously great problems with um, lock, lack of social cohesion, a lack of time for each other, you know, mm. growing mental health crisis um, and other issues. And surely there's space, there has to be space to talk about... Um, you know, building better lives for ourselves, which must be about not just about pumping GDP and, Mm. um, you know, working longer hours, but how can we actually remodel the economy and remodel people's lives so that they can once again capture a little bit of time Mm. um, to invest time in ourselves and our families and our children and our elderly. Mm. Um, So we need to recalibrate. We need some really... Um, we need some social economists, I think I would say. We need some very thoughtful and innovative social economists to come up with a new model, Mm. I think. But in the meantime uh, <laughs> it, you're oh, about and money, in the meantime we need better child benefit. Child. Uh, yeah, we need, child benefit we need better child benefit we need to recognize the importance of care responsibilities it's very worrying to hear that you know some people in job centers have been told when they're filing their universal credit um, application that they've been told they should you know leave their children home alone mm-hmm. so we've had a number of really? people um get in touch with us recently uh to say that you know well you can leave your nine and your seven year old home alone can't you Gosh, yeah. um you know this is very worrying yeah worrying trends really mm. um i i think nobody would agree that that's a good idea no. um you know we need to be there to be able to supervise our children take care mm. of them um and and, and build, you know, strong family and community relationships. Mm. I think policymakers, politicians, they know this, mm. but they're not putting any of it into practice But well, I think
0: it's, uh, the problem is because it comes down to money yeah. and they need to put money into families... Where uh, not everyone is doing paid work outside mm-hmm. the home, and they need to provide um, well fairer taxation, yes. fairer family fairer taxation, family
1: taxation. fairer thing. income support, fairer child benefit,
0: more recognition of the cost of childcare even in the home setting. Exactly, it's costing a whole salary if someone's looking yeah. after
1: them at home. And I think this thing about including um, the value of it of invisible care, you know, mm. in GDP. Um, mm, mm. so again these are not things that we would discuss in a child development appg um, and they wouldn't be discussed in the housing you know family housing appg yeah. you know this is the problem with a fragmented in you know, a fragmented nature of poly, politics yeah. i think but uh, we do really need to Include the value of invisible care. I think it's three hundred sixty-five billion really? to the UK economy of invisible labour, which probably caring for children and adults. That's and, right. Um, That's right. Apparently. So yeah. that, you know, this is really valuable work. Yes. But it yeah. it isn't actually included in in. Um, in productivity figures at the moment, yes. so that simple thing of maybe including it in productivity yes. figures, you know, <laughs> would suddenly magically um, bump yeah, up so GDP
0: you, levels. So, you get a mother <laughs> saying, Right, I'm leaving my job to care for my children, and you immediately
1: add 20,000 pounds exactly, to GDP, and
0: you think this is brilliant, yeah, and it hasn't cost us anything, yeah, but it would have all. to happen
1: globally. I think that's the problem, yes, yeah, uh, and everybody would have to came, you know, come to that decision at the same yeah. time. Mm. Oh, well, Marie, thank you so much. You are
0: a fount of wisdom and you, you have know. so much experience in all these different settings. And you, you do say, though, that sometimes after you've made a point, someone will come up to you yes. privately. Because yeah. it's mean, like a secret society, isn't it? It is not it to
1: support mothers. But actually, people come up at the coffee queue you know, and say, mm. oh, yeah, I really liked what you, what you said about... Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to do anything about it. <laughs> uh, but, but we also do, to yeah. be fair, we, I think I have detected that we get a little bit more public support. You know, people mm. do sometimes um say oh yes i i agree with that you know lady at the back when she said that you know there needs to be more time to look after children um so yeah we we do get quite a fair amount of support but there's a lot of work to be done um yeah and i think it's about men and women you know all talking about about this together yeah and and yes. it'd be interesting to see what our children say when you know when it, it's their turn mm, mm. to to be parents because um i I think there's definitely a movement for you know a more environmentally friendly approach to mm. you know less consumerism mm. um i think with the next generation i think
0: yes and
1: yeah. um and more compassion towards people who are struggling mm. you know we've only got to look. In our typical shopping centres now, the you know huge rise in homelessness and so forth, and I think it screams out at everybody that this system isn't working very well. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. I have I live in hope that there's more compassion for you know, from from future generations. Yes. yes. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Thank you. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I have caved in. I am now on social media on Facebook and Instagram as Mothers Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Podcast Mothers. My email address is mothersmatter@outlook.com. I would love to hear any positive feedback, any constructive feedback if you have to. And uh, I hope you will tune in again soon to listen to another podcast. I am Claire Pay, and this is Mothers Matter Podcast. Thank you.